want to share some things with you today uh, about Jesus and his words, what he, what he challenged us with. And I want to start out at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Have you ever noticed that his first words and his last words are very similar? You see, Jesus, he's been baptized by John the Baptist. And Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11 tells us a few things about this man, Jesus. And it starts off with the temptation of Jesus. And that's where I want to start today. It says, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Verse 11 says, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. We just learned a few things about Jesus here. First off, he was tempted by the same things that tempt us. He was tempted physically with hunger. He was tempted spiritually by being challenged to call out to God and test him. He was tempted mentally when he, offered the glory, when he was offered the glory of the kingdoms of the world if he would only praise and worship Satan. And with those temptations, Jesus had a similar reply. His answer to all of them was no, starting off. But then he said, man does not live by bread alone. No, don't put God to a foolish test. No, I won't worship you, Satan. I will worship the Lord my God and serve him only. I, I believe that if Jesus would have failed to stand firm against the devil in this time of fasting and praying and testing, he would not have been able to endure the cross and the torment that went along with it that we talked about the last couple of weeks. But Jesus stood firm. He showed us how to resist temptation too. He put the devil in his place. He told Satan what we need to tell him when we're tempted. Be gone. There it is. Before his earthly ministry ever began, before he ever called the first disciple, Jesus showed the world with step-by-step -step instructions how to resist temptation. And when Satan comes creeping into your life with something shiny or something distracting or something that's going to tempt you that you know is not the best thing for you, that may not even be good for you, take a page out of Jesus' playbook to thwart the devil's schemes and simply say out loud, be gone. Verbalize it. Tell the devil to get his junk out of your life and then ask Jesus to help you resist it. Ask him for strength from his Holy Spirit to help you keep away from that temptation. I want you to know this. Jesus has set us up for success before he ever called the first disciple. And remember, in today's message, we're going to look at seeing some of the similarities from his first words to those disciples to his last words to some of those same men. And so here we go. We're going to move on into the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Matthew chapter 4. Verse uh, 12 through 17. 
Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee, and of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in, in, a, in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's essentially Jesus' first sermon. He picks up where John the Baptist left off. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he is his own illustration. How do you know the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Because Jesus is here. He's walking on the earth. His ministry is beginning. And with that knowledge, let's look at what happens when Jesus starts to call his first disciples. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22 says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You're going to want to put a pin in that. For, or a highlight or something, because we're going to come and we're going to camp out on that here in just a little bit. But immediately, verse 20 says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So let's go back to verse 19. Follow me, he said. And I will make you fishers of men. What does that even mean? Put yourself in their shoes. Uh, you're a lucrative business owner. A family, you own a family fishing business. You may not even like people. Maybe that's why you're a fisherman. So you can get out on a boat and be away from people. And the job offer that's given to you is come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Actually, you're, the life offer that's, that's been given to these men is follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Where's the money in that business? What are the perks? What are the benefits? What's in it for me to become a fisher of men? What does that even look like? What is the on-the-job training model for something like that? Well, there's two things to remember here as we move forward. One, this is Jesus' plan, not mine. And two, we can't separate Jesus' methods from his ministry. And what I'm getting at is this. Jesus starts his ministry off by giving us examples, first off, of how we can avoid temptation. And then he gives us an example or a directive, if you will, of how to be a reflection of him. So let's break down this invitation of follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The first part of this directive is in fact an invitation. Jesus is saying to these men, follow me. And, and, and he says the same thing to us. He says, follow me. If we choose to follow Christ, we must come under his authority. We must come under his direction. That's what follow means. It, it's like playing follow the leader when we were kids. That someone got to be the leader and you had to do exactly what they said. If they skipped, you had to skip. If they ran around flapping their arms like a bird, you had to run and flap your arms like a bird. You were following the leader. And so it's the same thing here. If we choose to follow Christ, we must come under his authority and under his direction. Matthew 4.19 is an invitation for us to be not only in a relationship with Jesus, but in a relationship with others. In order for that relationship to, to work out well, though, we must first submit to his leadership. You see, we see in the relationship that Jesus has with these men that a disciple is someone who follows Jesus as Lord. Let's pause for a point of reflection here. Let me ask you this question. 
do you need to stop and talk to Jesus about how well you are doing as a disciple? Are you, are you truly engaged in step one? Are you truly engaged in following him? Based on what I've shared so far, are you a disciple of Jesus? Do you follow him as Lord? Or are you maybe following him as others did back then who, who followed to see what would happen next, who followed to see a miracle, who, who followed and saw him feed 5,000 people? Are you, are you following him as Lord or are you following him just as an onlooker? It, that's probably the easy part, by the way, is following him. But now it gets a little bit tougher because then he says, follow me and I will make you. Now, hold on a second, slow down. Nobody likes to be made to do anything. Case in point, our government says, stay home. Even the introverts are saying, I'd like to go outside right now. Well, no, we're making us into something different. Same thing. Jesus says, I will make you into something. Look, I like me. Maybe I even liked me before Jesus came into my life. Maybe you like you just the way you are. I may not want Jesus to make me into something else, but I need to tell you this. If you don't allow Jesus to change you, to make you different, he cannot have any part of you. He, he said a similar thing when he was washing the disciples' feet. And Peter said, no, 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 don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you can have no part in me. If we don't allow him to change us, he's not, he can't have any part with us. This whole, I will make you part of his directive focuses on change. Jesus is not a dead man or someone who left this world without a trace. He is alive. We, we shared this this last few weeks. We've, we've celebrated his resurrection and he is alive and he transforms us into being a new person. If we follow him as his disciples, we are changed as we stay and commit to grow in a relationship with him. We do that through Bible study, through prayer, through the counsel of other mature Christians, through life experiences. Uh, Romans 8, 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Uh, basically, that means that we are being changed into the likeness of Christ. Now think about this. From the time that you first made a decision to follow and serve Jesus... He has been making you into something different, something better. And if you commit to grow in Christ as you spiritually mature from an infant in Christ to a spiritual parent or a grandparent, the fruit that is produced in your life will be evident. You will become less selfish, more compassionate, more forgiving, more intentional about winning people into a relationship with Christ. You will find that you hold less grudges. You see, when we follow Christ, when we allow him to make us something more than what we are today, we will be better prepared to go to win and commit to grow. Even when we realize that there's nothing in it for us. Ultimately, it will cost us more than what we will gain. Physically, monetarily, mentally. But remember the job description. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, a disciple is someone who is on mission with Jesus is someone who's being changed by Jesus. A disciple is someone to, who's, who's being changed to be more like Jesus, regardless of what we may or may not receive for our efforts. He says, I will make you fishers of men. What did Jesus mean when he said that? He, he was going to make the disciples into fishers of men. There's another story that illustrates this very well. It's from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Peter and his fishing crew, they've been out um, fishing all night. They didn't catch anything and they're, they're cleaning their nets. 
And, and, and then Jesus says, hey, we're going we're gonna to do it again. But I want to read this story to you so you, you can hear it for yourselves. Think about this. In verse 1 it says, On one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And verse 11 says that when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, this fishing, this was a business that they understood. And Jesus seized the opportunity to begin the work he had come to complete, making disciples. He put disciple making into a language that these fishermen would understand. The fishers of men are those who work to fulfill Christ's demand, command to make disciples of all nations. So according to Matthew 4, 19, a disciple is one who knows and follows Christ, is being changed by Christ, and is committed to the mission of Christ. How are you doing with that? Are, are you living it? Are you struggling with it? Do you have questions with it? Good. Wrestle with it a little bit. Throughout Jesus' ministry, the three years, the time he spent with the disciples, they did the same things. They struggled with it. They had questions with it. They, they wrestled with this concept. Think about it. Jesus spent roughly three years with these men and others, teaching them, praying, talking to them, helping people, feeding large crowds, leading them, discipling them, being accountable to them. And they watched him die for them. They witnessed him after he rose from the grave. They listened to him. They touched him. They ate with him after he rose from the grave. And he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And he left them with this command, which is very similar to his first words to the fishermen. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Uh, do you see the similarities between Matthew 4.19 and Matthew 28.18-20? In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In Matthew 28.18-20, Jesus says, Now that you've followed me, and you've been changed by me and you're committed to my mission, let me leave you this command. The church is called to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. How do you catch fish? The good ones you catch in the same way, one at a time. And there's always a story to go with it of, of struggle and toil and victory. 
I repeat this command from Jesus. The church is called to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. Not just me as the preacher or our leadership team because they're elders and deacons, but every Christian is commanded to participate in the mission to follow Jesus and be made into fishers of men. Then to go and make disciples. That's why our mission statement here at Huntsville Christian Church is go to win and commit to grow. That's why I say it every week at the end of a sermon. Jesus commanded us to go into the world and make disciples of every nation. There are three action words that tell us what exactly we should do. It's pretty simple. This, the being on mission with Jesus part. We must be going. Go to win. The win, by the way, is when we introduce someone to Jesus Christ and they desire to have a relationship with him and us. The only way that, that this happens is when we go. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. I often say that we're horrible at spiritual hide and seek. We don't do well going to seek. We, we welcome all who enter, who come and visit. But unfortunately, at large, we don't always do a good job of going and seeking. Jesus said, go, baptize, teach. Those are our action words. If we don't go and tell and introduce people to our risen Lord and Savior, they won't know that he wants them to be fishers of men too. But just because someone gets baptized doesn't mean their journey is over. That's really just the beginning. That's when the real work starts. That's church. That's when the discipleship journey really takes off. We can't leave people as spiritual infants. We have to teach them to grow and obey in all of his ways. That's where the commit to grow part of our mission statement comes into play. And that's why I came up with this message that he arose so we should go. We should go to win and we should commit to grow. As we come to our response time this morning, are you willing to walk away from whatever you need to in order to follow him and become a fisher of men? Simon, Simon Peter, James and John, they, uh, they walked away from a, a lucrative fishing business. They were good at what they did. Matthew was a tax collector. He walked away in order to follow Jesus and become a fisher of men. If you're not sure what that looks like, Send me an email this week. I would love to start having conversation with you about what that may look like in your life. But it, will you just consider those things and listen to our response song and consider how you will respond to God's word this week.